0: Welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Ezra along with my co-host Emery. Today we interview Dallas Mount, owner of Ranch Management Consultants, and we discuss three ways to increase profit on your ranch or farming operation.
1: We look at decreasing overhead, increasing gross margin, and increasing turnover. Stay tuned. My name is Emery Melhoff, and I'm your host for Straight Talk with NDFB. And today we are chatting with Dallas Mount. Hi, Dallas.
2: Hey, Emery. Hey, Ezra. Good to be on. Thanks for you guys for the invitation.
1: Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Dallas, and where you're from and and who you are?
2: Sure. Yeah, I, I live in Wheatland, Wyoming. Uh, Wheatland is about uh, an hour north of Cheyenne. Uh, here in the southeastern Wyoming, we're kind of where the mountains and the plains come together. Uh, we, my family and I have lived here for about 20 years. We got two kids, two, uh, sons and college daughters in senior year of high school. So kind of in that phase of life where the kids are, are leaving home. So uh, it's exciting new chapter. Um, I've been the owner of RMC for about three years now. I'm the third owner of the company. Uh, Stan Parsons was our founder uh, and then Dave Pratt ran the company for about 20 years, so I'm fortunate to uh, stand on the shoulders of the giants that have come before me and, and carry on uh, ranching for profit. Before this, I, I spent about 20 years with University of Wyoming Extension, uh, w- working with them and, and doing uh, programs, workshops for ranchers all across uh, Wyoming and beyond. And, uh, and then my family and I have a, a grazing operation here in Wheatland where we run on a combination of owned and leased land.
1: Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, ranch management consultants? So uh, RMC is what we call it, uh,
2: and and we do a couple things. Uh, the main thing we do is we do the Ranching for Profit School. Uh, ranching for Profit is a seven day business management school for people involved in agriculture. So we do about ten of these classes a year, uh, all across the country, and and people come and and for seven days we we have them there, and through very interactive, engaging discussions, uh, we explore all things business management around the farmer ranch. And, you know, it's, it's founded on the idea that, that knowing how to run a business is a separate skill set from knowing how to raise crops or knowing how to raise livestock, right? And and most of us that grew up in ag are, are really good at, at raising livestock and at raising crops. But unfortunately, many of us haven't ever been taught how to run a business that does those things. So, so that's where we step in. And we're often called like an, an MBA program for people in ag, right? We dive into the economics, the financial, the human resource side of it, uh, the mission and vision pieces of it that are that are so critical. Um, so, so that's one our main thing that we do is the Ranching for Profit School. Uh, another thing that we do do is a program called Executive Link, Uh, we call it EL. Uh, so in EL, we take graduates of the Ranching for Profit School and we uh, put them on boards of directors for each other and they meet that board. So it's a board of six businesses. Usually it's about 10 to 12 people. And, and that board meets three times a year. And and we provide the structure, the facilitation for that meeting and, and all those things that go on with that. Um, so that board meets three times a year and they look inside each other's businesses and they hold each other accountable to, to doing things that, uh, you know, if somebody's not holding you accountable, you often neglect to get done. They're, they're really high value things in your business. So um, we have about 120 businesses involved in EL uh, that, and we facilitate that uh, across the country. So, so those are the, the two main things that we do.
0: So ranching for profit is for farmers and ranchers, not just ranchers. Correct.
2: Correct. Yeah. Our, you know, I'd say eighty percent of the people that are in the classes uh, uh, ranching is their primary uh, enterprises. You know, around livestock enterprises, uh, but but that's not all of it. Uh, you know, we have some people that just farm uh, that that come to us. Um, but you know, the examples that we use in class are around livestock, but the the principles apply. Across any business, so when we when we start diving into the economic principles, the human resource principles, you know, the ecology principles, all these things apply. No, no matter what the enterprises are.
0: Okay. No, I was just listening to it. I'm like, man, this is this is what I need. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, um, I mean, so who
2: doesn't need that, right? It's. I mean, we could all yeah. use some some help with just thinking through the business side of stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, so often we end up ranching or farming for occupation. Yeah. Occupation because we love it for the lifestyle. Um, but most of the time it's to make bank payments and, um, (laughs) not a lot of the time (laughs) maybe is focused on uh, or actually winds up being a profit. Um, can you just dive into the principle side? Uh, you mentioned, I think in your, in your last answer, you just briefly mentioned the principles, um, that you look at and consider when you're looking at people's operations. Can you dive into that?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I, I mentioned the the giants that have come before me. So the, these guys are the ones to credit with having developed these principles. And and it, it really is an amazing school because it's founded on principles, right? We don't we you don't come to the school and we tell you, well, you, you better run this kind of cow or you better calve here or you better feed this or you better grow these crops, right? those, those aren't the things that we say. We we say here's a way to explore. Those decisions for you. Right. And we and and we use the principles as the guideposts as you know, chalking the field uh, to do that exploration. So so maybe let's start with the economic ones, um, because those are probably what most people come to us for and, and probably what we're best known for. Uh, so when when we look at the business economically, um, you know, and we do this in class by uh, going into business together, right? starting from scratch and and building this business from the ground up. and 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 what we realize as we do this is there are costs that um, you know occur no matter the scale of our business. and and when we go into this from scratch, the first thing we need to do is get get some land to operate on, right? and and we can rent it or we can buy it. and there's different ways to to look at those two. Uh, and then we need, people to, to do the work. Right. And whether that's us that do it as the owners or whether we hire that uh, it's, it's really, it's a cost, it's a labor cost. Right. And, and what we tell folks is when we look at it economically, we, we can't work for free. We have to include that labor cost in there. And unfortunately, so many people in our industry just donate their labor to this thing. Right. And, and, and so we're going to book it on the, uh, on the economic budget as what would it cost to replace yourself in, in the work that's going on on the farmer ranch? And, and so as we explore these, we see that these costs are uh, operate as kind of a flat line across the chart, whether we have, you know, whether we farm 500 acres or whether we farm 5,000 acres, right? And, and so we call those costs overhead costs. And the economists are going to call them fixed, but what we're going to call them overheads because in farming and ranching, most of our costs are overheads. Right. And, and if we call them fixed, just that word implies that they can't be changed and, and mm-hmm. they can be changed. They absolutely need to be able to be changed. And we have a lot of leverage to change them. Um, so we've got the overhead costs. And and then as we we build this model out, then we have our, our direct cost or our variable costs. And and then we have our gross product, the value of production. So when we look at that chart and we build this together in class and we we walk through it step by step, when you look at that chart, you realize there's only three things that any business can do to increase profit. And, and those things are to reduce overheads, right? To find ways to do more, or to, to do more with that existing or to, or to even to cut some costs in there. And we've got to wait. My friend of mine, Burke Tiger, he says that you got to wage war on those costs on those overheads because they, <laughs> they tend to creep. And when they creep up, they're very sticky, right? It, it's hard to bring them down. Um, some of your listeners might uh, have enjoyed listening to Dr. David Cole, who's one I really enjoy listening to. And he's got some amazing numbers out there about, you know, what happened when corn went to $7 and, and the overhead costs on these ranches and farms and, and, and what they've done, right? So we we need to bring those overheads down, and so so there's one of the principles, right? Is to look at reducing overheads, and and then we've got some some benchmarks, some ratios that we walk through about you know what reasonable overheads should be in in the area of land and labor, and and by the way, one of the labor costs is machine cost, right? So when you start looking at at, well, should I use this machine and and what's the repairs depreciation and all, all the costs of owning it? Uh, what that machine does is it does labor. right? So so when I say labor cost, that includes the cost of machines as well. Uh, so that's the first one, reduce overheads. The second one is to improve the gross margin per unit. And a, a gross margin analysis just says when I look at the total value I've produced and the direct costs it takes me to do that, what's left over? Right, what's left over to, to service overheads and for profit? And unfortunately, in ag, we've been so focused on production, right? Bushels per acre, uh, pounds weaned, um, all these things. Is that Our production numbers go up, but unfortunately, our margins often don't improve. And, and who cares what your production numbers are, right? You might be weaning 800-pound calves, and you might be losing your shirt doing it. it conversely, you might be weaning 800-pound calves and making a killing doing it right but the only thing that matters is the margin so we really need to stop stop talking about production and start talking about margin that that's where the focus needs to be so we we look for ways to improve the gross margin per unit and the gross margin per unit that number right there gives you the economic efficiency of that production unit of that enterprise. And, you know, if you're in a farming business, you're going to look at gross margin per acre and compare your different crops you could grow. If you're in the livestock business, you're going to look at gross margin per standard animal unit. Which is the investment of of grazed forage into that, um, and and that's going to give you a really good uh, useful tool to compare those enterprises to, uh, you know, strive for efficiency and effectiveness in, in those enterprises. And then the last thing that we do is we look for for ways to increase turnover. So turnover, think of that as the throughput of the business. Um, if you're uh, running a livestock business, that's how many head, right? How how many head are we running? And then what's the turnover on those? Is this a is this a 12 month business or is this a Something we're we're turning over every three months. We look at those three ways to improve profit. Those are the three principles. Reduce overheads, improve the gross margin per unit, and increase turnover. Now, the beauty of that, of the simplicity of that, is every business struggles with one of those more than they struggle with others, right? So if you're looking for the weak link, one of those three is going to be the weak link in your business. Is, Is it your overheads are too high? Is it your margins aren't good enough or is it you just don't have enough throughput? Your turnover is too low. And the strategies to address those are very different, right? The way you go after increasing turnover is totally different from the way you go after reducing overheads, which is different from the way you go after improving gross margin. And and so when you put it into the economic model and when you identify that, then it gives management laser focus for here's what we need to do to, to fit, to improve this business, to get it really cranking for us. You know, so so often what happens in farming and ranching is we get to the end of the year and we look at the schedule F, we look at the operating loan and we go, well, this year wasn't very good. And then we start just shotgunning these strategies to improve it, right? Well, maybe if we use this, or maybe if we took this away, or maybe if we tried to do this instead, instead of saying, well, what is the problem? Is it overheads? Is it gross margin? Is it turnover? And then once we've identified the problem, then we go after strategy development. Um, So so I feel like I've been talking too long, but that's the, uh, the economic principles and how we apply those.
0: No, I was curious. So when somebody goes to your school, I'm assuming you guys will do a financial analysis of their business or something like that. Is, is that the process of when you're working with that individual, you'll go through that financial analysis and identify their weakness and help them and, and say, okay, I, my overhead's killing me. Or uh, I don't have enough turnover, or whatever. But basically, I mean, would what, what, would you say is there one you always start with? I mean, I bet you overheads killing most people. Limiting is probably the the right word to use. But
2: yeah, you're you're right, Ezra. That uh, overheads are commonly what we find uh, the issues are. And and to back up and answer your question, so when when you're in the school uh, during the the formal class time hours, uh, we work through examples together. So we're all working with this example ranch that we have in class, and we're, we're doing this stuff together at your tables, with the instructors bouncing around, helping people make sure they get it. After the formal class time hours in the evening time, if people want to come in and Crank through their own numbers, then we have we provide support there in the classroom to help people do that. So whether it's myself, whether it's another instructor, whether it's a, alumni of the program, uh, people come in there and kind of sit with you and help you get unstuck as you're doing your own numbers. And and the idea is that when you leave the school, you, you'll you're going to have a, you know if you come in there those evening hours and work, you're going to have your numbers pretty well done by the time you walk out, and and then and then be starting on the strategy development side of. Is it overheads for me? If it is overheads, um, what kind of leverage do I have to address those? What am I willing to address? Right, that's another kind of a separate piece that that sometimes people say, no, I don't, you know, I don't want to reduce the number of employees on the place, right? Or I don't want to change the type of machinery that we're using, or or things. And so, okay, well, well, then we're stuck here. You know, this is what we're saying we're we're going to do. So now we need to find the ways to crank the turnover and the margin side to service those overheads and and sometimes that strategy works and sometimes you get to looking at it and you're just like well there's no way I just can't crank the turnover and the margins enough so then I have to come back and and readdress those overheads.
0: Let's say for example you have a a uh, family member that's involved in the farm or ranch and they're done with high school or whatever they've done their college or they've gone and done their thing they're coming back they're starting from square one and really they're kind of relying on mom and dad's and giving them an opportunity to get started. Applying these three principles, what advice do you give to that young farmer or rancher that's that's coming to either get involved in an operation or work alongside mom and dad to get their operations started? Where's the first place you look in applying these principles?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because that, that is what we so often deal with, right? There's people coming back to an existing operation and then starting to spread their wings w- within that operation. So uh, so ideally the young person would be coming to the school with representatives of the previous generation as well. and and that's the best dynamic is that when everybody's there together, and we're going through these things together. And so like if, if this family were in the classroom in the evening time, you know, we'd be laying out, okay, what are the enterprises? What are the margins each of these enterprises have? What's the overhead structure of the business? How are we doing at, uh, at servicing those overheads? What about our profit target? What What is that? What do we want? profits to be? And then what are we going to use those profits for? Right. And, and having these conversations together and, and what often happens is, is when we get to doing this, we see that while our overheads are, you know, let's just pick a number, half a million dollars and our margins from our business service 425,000 of those. So we're about $75,000 short of covering our overheads. So what are we going to do? Right. And so hopefully the, the family sitting there together asking these questions, going through it, and then, you know, people start suggesting ideas. Okay. Well, what if we found a way to lower our overheads? What, what might that look like? Or Maybe we need to add an enterprise to it, right? I've come back to the farmer ranch and this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'd like to explore. Uh, what kind of leeway is the is the business going to give me uh, to build this new enterprise? And, and then we'd ask the person bringing that back. Okay, what, you know, if this worked well, what kind of margins might it create? Is it, is it going to create $10,000 a margin, which of which case it's just a distraction? Right, or, or is it actually going to have the possibility of of servicing a large number of those overheads, and and so we start exploring those together, and it becomes a, a process of instead of well, what are mom and dad doing that's wrong, right, or what are what are what are they doing that should be changed, or what's junior, you know, gonna what's the greatest idea that they're gonna have? Uh, we just say, well, here's the facts. <laughs> now now let's walk through this and explore these ideas. Right, some of some of the ideas are going to be completely off the wall, and and that's great. And then others are are going to have some real merit, and and then we need to start exploring them more deeply, right? What are what are the upsides? What are the downsides? What kind of resources are going to pull away from other things? Um, so that, I don't know if that's a the, the specific enough answer you were looking for, but but that's the way we often do it is with people there together and and working through those thought exercises about what the business could be.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I I'm, I'm curious how many times you actually get everybody together <laughs> <laughs> at the school. <laughs>
2: Oh, probably less than we'd like. The most effective ones is when the, the representatives of the business, the ownership group comes together Uh, because we, we have you captured, right? And you're, you're there and you can have those conversations. Everybody's going through the same experience together. You're away from the distractions at home. Um, You know, it's, it's a great time to have those.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And anytime you want to get something done, it seems like if everybody's on the same page, it actually happens.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: Dallas, one of the things that the beauties of these profit principles is how you can really apply them to an operation and giving people tools to really dig in and see where, where they could use some improvement. But what would be like the the primary weak spot you see? Or maybe if you were just to give our listeners a really practical Takeaway here at, at what they could do today to start looking at implementing these profit principles. What's something that they could look at um, on their operations today?
2: Sure, yeah. So I, I'm going to expand on one that I that I just touched on, but for me, it's a uh, it's just one of my favorite things to talk about because I think it's it's really lost in a lot of agriculture, and and that is the idea of gross margin per unit, right? In, instead of thinking about how can you be more productive. I want everybody to change their thinking to how can we be more profitable. It's ingrained in agriculture from the the day we start, you know, 4-H or FFA, and we're we're beat with the stick all the time. Is that you have to be productive, right? When you when you go outside in the morning, you got to get something done, right? You got to let's let's feed them, let's grow them, let's raise them, let's let's do this. And and unfortunately, when we look at the numbers, when we sit back and and look at what our businesses are doing productivity does not result in profitability. In fact, uh, I've, when I was with the University of Wyoming, I ran a, a, a benchmark data set for ranchers across this region and Harlan Hughes was part of it at the time. And, and we put everybody into this uh, system and we looked at their all their production numbers and then we had all their financial data to correlate against it. And productivity, and, and the, our data set was based heavily on cow-calf producers, right? And productivity, pounds wean per female exposed had zero correlation with profitability. <laughs> zero. All right? Some people would think, well, maybe it'll be low. It had zero. In fact, if you looked at it just numerically, it was inversely correlated. The Some of the least productive ranches were among the most profitable. Right? And, and I would argue that there's similar things in farming where you're just told to be more productive, be more productive. And yet the things that we do to be productive move us backwards sometimes in the and what I think is probably should be the goal of of profitability. It doesn't matter how hard you work; it's it's the results that you produce that matters. In my opinion, the result of a, one of the results of a business is is profitability. So so let's focus on that instead of productivity. That one change right there in mindset might challenge some of your listeners in their thinking, but. Um, it, it, to me it's a it's a paradigm shift and we throw that word out you hear that word thrown around a lot is a paradigm shift right a change of thinking, a change of the the way we see the world but to me, that one's huge in agriculture. We've got to stop just chasing this treadmill of becoming more productive and and switch it to okay, what resources am I going to deploy and what's going to be the return for that
1: with productivity it seems like on farms farmers are paid on productivity through crop insurance. And so, you know, everybody's trying to chase that high yield so that they can get their productivity up so that they can play the crop insurance game and get paid on that. I'm just curious to see if you have any insights on that or or thoughts about that at all.
2: Yes, we do have some principles that we apply to all the farm programs, and I would group some crop insurance into those farm programs and and say that wouldn't when you design your business let's let's design a business that meets our values and our mission and our vision and our core beliefs and moves us towards that right and let's let's be firm about that now if farm programs come along that support the direction we're headed and are 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 part of supporting you know what we're here for and why we do this then then by all means let's let's use them but what i see it it too often throws these businesses off into the deep end and takes them on a on a tangential track is is when they start structuring the business for the farm program right rather than than saying okay this is what the business is fundamentally structured for is to do this to serve these values of ownerships to create these outcomes and if farm programs come along that support that and and it's part of your value system to use those by all means let's let's use that to support where we're headed but unfortunately i i too often see the, the tail wagging the dog and and people's businesses are chasing uh, structure and, and actions and enterprises to best align with the FARB programs rather than the other way around.
1: Um, I'll just backtrack a little bit to say that um, my husband, Caleb, has been to um, two of your schools and with his dad. And one of the results that came out of that was they decided to change the genetics on their operation to produce a smaller calf. And... Uh, there was obviously some people that thought they were insane to do that, um, but what they found was was by improving. I just lost the term. Did you say would it would be the gross profit, the gross gross margin? Gross, oh gross yeah,
2: margin. Yep, by chasing yeah, the gross yeah. margin. Yeah,
1: by chasing that, they were actually <laughs> able to see see a profit on those calves versus you know chasing those those high weaning numbers, et cetera. And so I'm I'm glad that you touched on that as being as being number one strategy.
2: Cool. Mm-hmm. I that's awesome to hear. And you know, just to, just to follow up with that and to put a, a period behind it, where people often say, "Well, you go to ranching for profit," and they're going to tell you to you know raise small calves and calve this time of the year, and and we don't suggest any of those things. Right? So <laughs> what I like to tell people is, I don't believe that there is a recipe to run a profitable farmer ranch. It, where it's not about looking for a cookbook and just following the things, right? It's it's about saying where do we want our business to be. What are our resources, what are our skill set? and then let's develop a plan to get there. And it, now oftentimes when people in livestock businesses start laying the numbers out, they find what what your husband and father-in-law found. Right is is that okay? Hey, here's a plan to do that, and this is the way it's going to look. Uh, but one of the things that drives me nuts is I, you know, you hear people say, "Oh, we drank the Kool Aid at Ranching for Profit, and so we're always we're doing these production practices." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, we we don't tell you to do those things, right? We just we just challenge the thinking behind them." So
1: I think one of the issues you see on on operations is that um, business owners, farmers, ranchers, you know, we make excuses for why things go wrong. We, you know, it, it could be, hey, the Wrong buyers were at the at the sale barn today, and I didn't get what my calves deserved. Uh, to get, okay, or, I'm with you. Or with I got you, yeah. uh, butchered when I brought my grain into the elevator. You know, all of I got discounted, and it's always somebody else's fault that we're not making money. Um, what would you say? What would you say to that?
2: Yeah, perfect. Uh, so I, w- we like to think about this in terms of a of a ladder, and and we we draw this ladder out in school, and we ask where on this ladder is is your thinking you know, where, where does your, where's your mindset? And at the bottom of the ladder is, is the victim mentality. And, and around the victim mentality where, you know, we look for blame and we, it's all about discouragement and it's, you know, all about, oh, the things that are happening to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm entitled to just, you know, wake up every day and do the same thing I've always done for 50 years and make a profit, right? That that's the victim mentality. And, and, and the unfortunate thing is this is so prevalent in agriculture and, and if you go to a lot of the you know center of the industry stuff you hear this right and and there's even messaging around telling people in agriculture that you know you're the greatest people in the world and you're entitled to all this stuff and the world's out to get you right and and it just drives me nuts because it's 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 all around this victim thinking and as we climb up this ladder and as, as we get to the top of the ladder there's a popular book out there called extreme ownership and I, I think that extreme ownership really encapsulates the top of the ladder very well right and and so we call the top of the ladder the ownership mindset right at the bottom is the victim and at the top is is ownership and in ownership it's all about okay how am I going to structure my business for success? Right. So um, in, in a lot of our clients this year are facing extreme droughts, terrible droughts. And now you guys are in North Dakota. You're probably in some of this as well. Right. Well, if drought surprises you and you're in the ranching business, you, you need to get in a new business. Right. I mean, droughts are going to happen. That's a certainty. Right. There's going to be wet years. There's going to be dry years. There's going to be extremely wet years. There's going to be extremely dry years. So how are you going to structure your business to respond in those years of drought? right? How are you going to be, what, what, what are the key indicators you're going to be watching? What are the key decisions you're going to tie to those indicators? What kind of enterprises are you going to have on this business? How flexible are those enterprises, right? Those are all things hundred percent within your control. So when drought happens, the ownership mindset says, okay, how am I going to respond to this? There's going to be enormous amounts of opportunity created in drought and, and same with markets, right? I mean, if, if you're in the commodity markets, well, guess what? Markets are going to go up and markets are going to go down. If you're 100% ownership, your mindset is, OK, how am I going to respond in years of high markets? And how am I going to respond when markets get lower? Right? And just like drought, there's huge opportunities when markets go down. And in fact, I would think high markets probably cause us more problems than low markets as an industry right? Because you look at what happened back when corn was $7, right? And all the problems that's created for us. Um, so it's, it's all about this own ownership mindset. And and the most beautiful thing about this is it's 100% within your control about where on that ladder you fall. Are you going to be down there at the victim, you know, just going to the coffee shop and kicking the dirt every day because, you know, all this stuff is happening to you and you can't do anything about it? Or, or are you going to pull yourself up and position yourself at the top of the ladder and say, okay, I get out of bed today. I get to make all these decisions. It's a beautiful world because everything that's happening is within my control, and it, it's how I structure my business to respond to these things that are outside of my control. Right. So, w- what enterprises are we going to run? How are we going to respond to this? You know, what what's going to be our overhead structure? These are all decisions that you have hundred percent authority to make.
0: No, I, I really like that you brought up extreme ownership. I love. I I love Jocko's um, you know, it's like something bad happens, good. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Combine broke down, good, good, it out, <laughs> good <laughs> love it. I love, I love it. that mentality. because it's yeah. just it's it's an opportunity to fix a problem.
2: Exactly. Yeah, good. All right. <laughs>
1: So Dallas, tell us where we can find your school. I think I think you have one coming to Minot. Is there still seats in your class and your school? And then, w- what other opportunities are there to attend ranching for profit around around the U.S.
2: Sure. So, so we kind of have locations that that we tend to stay at, um, and then we kind of explore new ones. And, and this year we're exploring a new one in Minot. Uh, so far, registration is going really well up there. I think we're about half full at this point, so so there's still room. Uh, the Minot School is the last school in our busy winter uh, school season. So so that one starts the end of January and wraps up the 5th of February. When I'm talking to you here, it's right before Thanksgiving, and we're right on the front end of doing our busy school season. So between now and February, I think we'll deliver, uh, seven or eight schools, uh, across the U S and, um, and then we do a few, a couple in, in the summer and a couple in the, um, in the fall time of year, but uh, most of them happen uh, this time of year right now when, when most of our clients can can find time to get away. One thing I would say about looking at attending a school is don't let the location of where the school is being taught uh, be a primary determining factor of, of which one you're going to attend. Um, oftentimes, people find that they have a better experience when they go farther from home. You know, when you're looking at attending a school, it's a significant investment in both time and money, and, and it, you shouldn't let, you know, it Two or $300 plane ticket be the determining factor from. You know, oh, am I going to make this one work or not? And and uh, to me, it, it's kind of you know when people have attended our school, maybe your husband could attest to this. I hear a lot of people say, "Oh my gosh, I wish I would attended that five years ago, right?" Because it changed the way we think, it changed the way we we see our business, and it's crazy to think, "Well, I'm going to let a three hour drive de- determine whether <laughs> I, you know, make strategic changes in my multi million dollar business, right?" That that's just silly thinking. So uh, so so look at the calendar. Find one that works for your time. And and again, if you can come with other people from your business, even better. I, of course, on our website, ranchingforprofit.com, we've got our Our schedule of all the schools that we have. Uh, They tend to stay in the same places uh, one year to the next. And um, so look for one that works for you. And we'd love to see people, people there.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dallas, for joining Ezra and I here in the, on the farm today on this chilly morning and um, really appreciate you and your insights and uh, excited to, to hear from our members that attend your school. And thank you so much.
2: Oh, you're sure. Welcome. It's been a great conversation. I enjoyed talking to you. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: And join us next time where we will talk about ways that you can increase efficiency on your operation by putting systems in place that can be implemented by anyone, anywhere, anytime.